1: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today is episode 187, and as you see from the episode title, no, it is not the state. No, it is not the country. It is the superstar, Georgia Henneberry. She is our guest today. I kept joking with her in our chat, but she legitimately, literally covers so many different forms of racing so many different series so many different cars it makes my head spin and i can't think straight and i i marvel at how she does it at such a young age and does it so well so was happy to chat with her i'm glad that she was able to carve out some time out of her busy schedule as she's in detroit uh this weekend for indycar we're also going to be talking some suspensions on the crew side and also on the driver side as it pertains to what we saw this past weekend at charlotte Motor speedway also going to get into gateway that's where we are headed this weekend but of course before we do any of that we got to pay homage to the number 87 this week papa siegel i believe is back from his adventure in europe and he has us covered this week what you got
0: thank you Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 187 last time through the numbers we gave props to hall of famer buck baker this week we focus our full attention on a man to whom we gave an honorable mention nod last time around. Joe Nemechek got his nickname of Front Row Joe from former teammate Wally Dahlenbach Jr., who said he coined the name because Nemechek seemed to always be contending for pole positions in the late 90s. Funny, since he only scored poles 2.5% of the time, a total of 28 times over a Cup and Xfinity career spanning more than 1,100 races. Sure, impressive, but you thought it was more than that, didn't you? A more accurate nickname for him may have been Prolific Joe. Nemechek, I believe, currently ranks second all-time in National Series starts in NASCAR. He was top of the pylon in 2019, after passing the King, but got passed himself in 2021 by Kevin Harvick, who's still racking up his numbers during this, his final year. Nemechek's career spanned 24 years in the Cup Series and 29 years in the Grand National, Bush, and Xfinity ranks. Sure, a few of the later years were spent starting and parking in the Cup Series to fill out the field, but you don't get to run that long without having the goods. Nemechek did. He won four times in the Cup Series and 16 times in Xfinity, including a Bush Series championship in 1992. He was the Bush Series Rookie of the Year in 1990 and that series' most popular driver in 1992 and 1993. You can still see Front Row Joe at the track on a regular basis since racing runs in the Niemicek family. Joe's brother John was a racer who unfortunately passed away driving a truck at Homestead in 1997, and he's the father of John Hunter Niemicek, who was named after his departed uncle and who you can see on a regular basis this year in the Xfinity series where he's doing a fine job for Joe Gibbs. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed Mama Siegel's and my contributions the last couple weeks from overseas. I'll be having a nap now to get over what's left of my jet lag. Back to you, Ah, uh,
1: Yes, thank you, Dad. I did enjoy uh, Mama Siegel's kachigas last week before I uh, threw it blindly to you and her without me knowing. Um, so thank you for that. Welcome back to the States. Hope you're feeling better, obviously, when you're listening to this. I think you will be. But yeah, Front Row Joe, I-, I did not know those interesting stats about him. I figured that he had way more polls, way more Front Row starts. But I guess that's uh, why we have the Wayback segment. We can learn a thing or two about NASCAR history and the names and how those names kind of came to be. So thank you for the homage to the number 87 and Front Row Joe. Let's start off this episode as we always do. And that is with a good old-fashioned... <laughs> and throws straight over to our interview with... Georgia Henneberry. It is not Hennenberry. It is not Hennessy Berry. It is Berry. Took me a couple times, but I got it. Uh, she's great. She's been doing great stuff for years. And it feels like she's been in the industry, been in the game for decades. But it's only been a handful of years. I think that speaks volumes to her. Her talent, all the stuff that she's been doing, whether it's on camera, on social media, on the microphone, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Got into a lot of that. Her background, her career, and being on the road as much as she is. What's her go-to snack? Whether it's on an airplane, whether it's in the car, whether it's at the racetrack? I will give you a hint. The answer's pretty nuts. Just marinate on that. <laughs> Here's Georgia. <laughs> pleasure to welcome on to the show this week for some reason she's nervous maybe it's just because of the traffic it is all around pit reporter broadcaster extraordinaire for any and all forms of motorsports the ever traveler georgia henneberry how the heck are you my friend thank you for braving the detroit traffic to get into your hotel room early by the way for i know chat
2: I was Russian. I was, yeah. I don't know what happened. As soon as I touched ground in Detroit, I forgot how to drive. I can't, I don't know, but we made it, made it to my hotel, mm-hmm. made it on the, on the podcast. So we're good.
1: That's why you stick to covering the drivers that are driving instead of doing it yourself, I guess.
2: Yes. And I, and I, and I must say, I feel like I'm nervous because I'm always the one that's doing the interview uh-huh. and I never get asked the questions. <laughs> so I'm like kind of nervous to have to like, think on my feet and give opinions. And I'm always the one that's like pushing the information out of people. So
1: (laughs) it's gotta be great. I don't know if you've been brief, but I'm a pretty tough, uh, question asker. So you better buckle up.
2: I know I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: (laughs) Um, first of all, you're in Detroit. Like we said, um, you were just in Indianapolis for like a month and I know Indy's home, but you know, still working at the racetrack pretty much every single day for like a month you're on the chip constantly. Like I know a lot of people that are just full out all the time, but you are everywhere all the time. So many different forms of motorsports. Do you get tired? Like, when do you sleep? I don't know.
2: No, I, I'm like living a dream right now. Like I, I remember three years ago, I like didn't really have much work and I was thinking about options of you know what to do and things like that and I, like just to look at the schedule this year and see how many different types of motorsports and being so motorsports centric and having you know just having so many events on the calendar it really is a dream come true and i'm super grateful for all of it sleep not so much don't get a don't get a lot but when mm-hmm. i do i'm sleeping pretty hard so it's pretty
1: good <laughs> but yeah, hotel sleeps hit for- different too by the way
2: right exactly month of may sleep hits different Because like you said, we were on the track, you know, anytime cars are on track, we're there and pretty much any day that cars aren't on track, we're also there. And so, um, that sleep hits different. You're getting some good Z's when you, when you lay down.
1: And you got to (laughs) sleep at home for pretty much the whole month since you were there, right?
2: Right. Yeah. India's home now, originally from St. Louis, but made the journey up St. Louis or to Indianapolis not too long ago. So I'm really digging it so far.
1: When did you move up there?
2: Well, so I finished college out, um, at IUPUI, which is downtown Indy, Mm -hmm. but so I kind of moved up there my junior year of college, but then COVID hit my senior year. So then I moved back home for a little while, finished out college Mm -hmm. through COVID and then moved up full-time post COVID.
1: We'll get to your time at Iwi Peewee and yes, I will exclusively call it (laughs) Iwi Peewee, uh, even though you are a grad, is that okay? Yeah, by all means. Okay, good. Um, So I, I was kind of joking, like... You- but you... I'm not joking. Like, you are full out. IndyCar, NASCAR, All-Star Circuit of Champions, everything on dirt. Like, you do it all. And I- I've talked to a lot of people, and I like to pride myself on, you know, being a-, a Swiss Army knife and following all these different series and, you know, having my finger on the pulse of all these different things. You put me to shame, girl. Like, I... <laughs> I I physically and mentally cannot understand and fathom all the different things that you do. And I'm not trying to blow smoke. Like I, every time I see you posting something or you're somewhere or you're doing something, I'm like, I didn't even know this series existed. Like what? I, I don't get it. How do you keep it all straight when you're covering all these different series, all these different forms? Like it just makes my head spin.
2: Yeah. Well, so I guess that's kind of, it's kind of a tough question because I feel a lot closer to IndyCar now because this is my second year covering it. So I would say the learning curve there was pretty heavy for a bit, but now I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on, right? Like second year, had a year under my belt to kind of really, really, really get to know the sport, the dirt world that's what I grew up in. I was with USAC for five years. Mm -hmm. So though it's on the non-wing side, you're always constantly kind of paying attention to what's going on on the wing side of things too. So, and I'm no expert in the wing, the wing world by any stretch of of the imagination. Still learning every single time. And I'm still learning every single time I do an IndyCar race, a NASCAR race. I mean, and essentially that's what reporting is, right? You're like learning every single time. So I feel very comfortable in the dirt world. I feel like that is home for me just because I'm so close to it. And that's like what I have spent a majority of my career covering. Right. So the NASCAR NASCAR is always been a goal of mine. And I'm so grateful that MRN gave me um, some weekends this year to cover. Cause that's, it's, Growing up, my family was always huge NASCAR fans. So we would go to we would go to Kansas all the time, or like when NASCAR come to Kansas, we'd go. When NASCAR would go to Juliet, we'd go. Um so to be there is just surreal. Um and the MRN team is so cool. They're so nice. So I don't know, it's just been this perfect storm. And when you get down to the to the roots of it, you know, we're all do we're all doing the same thing, right? Like you're trying to win. How do you get there? What are the storylines? But really just getting down the different teams, the different drivers or riders, because I did a Supercross race Uh this uh, season, which was also surreal. That was really great. I hope maybe in the future there's more opportunity for that. That was the one thing I was the most nervous about, because I came in there being like, I can't wait to meet all these drivers and all this stuff. And everyone's like, do not call them that. <laughs> they are writers. So number that. one number one and so put me in my place real fast um but yeah, it's just luckily the schedule has all worked out to where we can piece together different events and place them places and it's it's a dream schedule this year for sure but um grateful for everyone being able to like work through that also because everyone's been super gracious on working with me to plug in those weekends where there's stuff and whatnot. So yeah,
1: living the dream. Yeah, I could see you say that again. I mean, you're living my <laughs> dream for sure. So I, I mentioned like all those different series from IndyCar to NASCAR to dirt to, to all these different ones. I didn't mention supercross or motocross, whatever the discipline of motorcycle riding that, that you did was, I was listening to an interview in prep for this, that you did formula drift. At one point, you dabbled in that. Am I missing anything? I know I am, so tell me what Uh, I'm missing.
2: Formula Drift was great. That was doing social content with Nas Energy Drink, Mm -hmm. so thank you, Lauren, for uh, letting me do that also. Um, That's a whole different world that I was not privy to before, so getting close with that was really neat too. It's just such a different – I said earlier I kind of shouldn't have, that everyone's kind of like there's the same goal and everything and whatnot. Formula Drift is like it's a whole new world. But it's it's really cool. I'm uh, grateful to be able to gotten to know that. Get to do this just got put on the calendar and I cannot wait for that for this. I get to do Formula E in Portland. Okay. Um coming up in June. So, um really pumped about that. Obviously, that's like a whole new set of stuff. So, yeah, other than that, not missing like we missing
1: a lot. I guess I covered the gamut. I mean, again, like three years ago when you were kind of just getting started in the biz, so to speak, you know, time ending at iwi piwi there's a second iwi-pooey of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, like, could you even imagine doing the stuff that you're doing now? I realize that's a very cliche question, but just kind of reflecting a little bit, looking back on it, I know it kind of gets monotonous. You're always traveling. Mm-hmm. You're always on the road. It's a job at the end of the day. But like you said, w- when you're able to reflect a little bit and get interviewed for a change, you know, it seems pretty awesome that you are legitimately living the dream at the moment.
2: Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I remember, Oh, so like I said, super grateful that MRN gave me some weekends this year, but that it's kind of been a long road to get even with them because so I was in Charlotte for my original audition with them the weekend that NASCAR kind of essentially shut down for COVID in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. so i was going to audition i was going to drive down with a uh, hannah newhouse and dylan welch we were going to, all going to drive down to atlanta and i was going to get to audition not to say that i was going to get a job out of it but at least got the opportunity to like audition for it um was already there got the call that if you didn't have a card card or something like that like you weren't going to the race so that got cut off well then obviously everyone knows what happens after that so then to... Two, three—I guess we're going two years later. Finally, get another opportunity to do it, and within those two years, I feel like I grew a lot as, um, like, a reporter or someone, you know, asking questions or anything like that. So now I think back to not being able to do that audition, and I kind of think of it as almost like a, hey, like maybe you weren't ready for that, you know, like. Give it give it some time. And so now that we've actually like it's come to fruition and was able to do it. Um, you know, I just think kind of maybe in those instances everything has happened for a reason because I've been able to grow as a as a reporter and in my job. And like I said, I'm still learning all the time. And sometimes I even think to myself, why in the world do they give me a microphone? Because what am I saying? You know? Join the club. But <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of crazy just Thinking back to two, three years ago and being super unsure of what was ahead. And I would say, I want to keep going. You know, I want to keep doing as much as possible, working my way up. There's still a lot of motorsports left. There's still a lot of levels left. Um, But for all intents and purposes, I'm really happy.
1: I did remember one that we did not touch on that was a bit new for you, I think, this past year, which is IMSA and the Rolox 24 right. specifically.
2: Oh, my gosh. How of could course. we forget?
1: What?
2: I don't even know how I could forget that. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I went into that race not knowing much about anything like that. I mean, obviously, I dedicated my whole life to it for like two weeks before the event to try to wrap my head around what IMSA is. Um, but... Yeah, thank you NBC for the opportunity to do that cuz it was so cool.
1: What was and the I, what was I, the sleep schedule like for that day, by the way? Well, I went
2: into it thinking that we worked 20 the 24 hours, the full 24 hours. Yeah. I was like, I'm ready. Um I got my sleeping bag, I'm ready. I'm <laughs> like <laughs> going to be hanging out at the track, right? Um uh, NBC has down to the science. Like my my shifts and granted you're there for like a day and a half before like getting notes and talking to drivers and teams and all that stuff but my actual shifts for it was like 6 p.m to 9 p.m so you're on for three hours Mm -hmm. and then i don't think i came back on until 6 a.m so it was like 6 a.m to 8 a.m and then like 10 to 12. so it it was like three couple hour shifts um but yeah, it was awesome. And when they said, no, you're not working the full 24 hours. We did this. We got five of you on pit lane. We're just (laughs) rotating. I was like, oh, okay. Good to know. Well, yeah. Well, so I put my pajamas back in my backpack, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No sleeping bag needed. You can actually get a couple hours.
2: Yeah. So that was awesome though. And IMS is crazy. So again, a whole new world.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know all about whole new worlds. Um, Hard left or right turn here. I guess not really, but the reason that you kind of got involved in racing, not motorsports specifically, but racing and competition, I believe is because of horses. Is that how it yeah. started?
2: Yeah, you're doing some some research. Um, yeah, my mom raced uh, horses. She barrel raced, so all Western style, kind of like rodeo racing, um, not like jumping or anything. It's barrels. So you do the... Yes, barrel racing. So she did that. Uh, We grew up around horses. Like, I mean, I think I was riding horses by the time I was like three. Wow. Uh, We rode all the way up until I started racing horses probably when I was like six or seven, and then did that all the way until I was about 13, 14. And, you know, as we know, horses are. Motorsports is expensive, but horses are also expensive. And so we had to sell our kind of lives there um and start over. But my family was always super into motorsports also, like like I said, we were NASCAR fans and, and whatnot. So I just remember like sitting with my mom one day and just and the horse the horse racing was awesome. I still every chance i get to go back to an event or a rodeo or anything like i still feel super close to that that side of the world
0: mm-hmm.
2: um so hopefully maybe one day i'll be in a position in my career that i can you know get at this seat. right
1: i think you'll get there in like a, a week but
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome because i mean i i still remember that day where we had to you know kind of switch kind of our paths and whatnot and so um I would love to get back to to doing that at some point but yeah so I told my mom I was like I just she's like well what what do you want to do and I was like well what if we well, they did some racing or anything and so we got hooked up with Margay, which is um based in St. Louis or a cart manufacturer and within a week week we were there got started in carting and then from there I was like I was like Dang, I really like this. I, I think we, I wanted I wanted to be a NASCAR driver. That's what, that was the goal. I wanted to be, that was the end goal for me in my career was to be a NASCAR driver, but clearly um, that did not happen. And now I can't <laughs> even drive downtown in Detroit.
1: So. I was gonna say, you know, you're still young, you got a lot of ambition, but if you can't drive in the Detroit traffic, I don't know about yeah. driving three 200 miles an hour at Talladega.
2: I think my driving career might be over, but yeah. hey, never
1: know. You never know. So, I mean, th- that was going to be one of my next questions, right? You kind of talked through your family being NASCAR fans. So, motorsports always was kind of in the background and a part of your guys' lives. But yeah. what was it a thought process between going from one literal horsepower to <laughs> actual more horsepower? Like, was it, was it a thought process or was it one day you woke up and... You just had that conversation with your mom or your parents and you're like you know, yeah. what, i think we should actually do this for real like let's let's do it
2: my family's pretty impulsive so it was kind of like we were really bummed about not being able to be with horses anymore not not have the fun funding to be able to do that anymore so yeah literally one day it was like we, we what are we gonna do like i we got to do something i remember we were my mom and my sister and I were actually sitting at a restaurant watching and I'm only like 14, you know, at this. So as intelligently as a 14 year old is having conversation with their mom, watching the TV. But I was like, Man, that would be really cool to do one day. Like, I think that's something that I would, I would really enjoy. And she's like, got online. I was like, Whoa, I think first steps gotta get a, get a, get a go-kart. I was like, yeah, sign me up. And Was it like up.
1: a Googling like, how to become a NASCAR driver? Yeah, like, thing?
2: how do you make it to NASCAR? <laughs>
1: it ta- I mean, Nick Sanchez, who's in trucks right now, that's how he got started.
2: Yeah, like, so, and for a while, I felt like it was a very attainable goal was to, like, work my way up the ladder to do that. So, um, it wasn't until we, you know, so I had a go-kart for a while. I raced karts all over the country with Margay and, um actually had dinner with my coach from Margate um, and the owner of Margay just last week up in Indy because he's literally been such an instrumental part in my life so still still to the stage so did that and then we switched over to dirt I got a micro on dirt I raced that for a season and a half and then like I found out with horses that motorsports takes money and <laughs> we yep. just weren't really in that position so But I'm super grateful for still being able to be involved. That's when I, and I know I'm like babbling, but um, I knew Levi Jones from the dirt world. And he also worked at Worldwide Technology Raceway, formerly Gateway Motorsports Park.
1: Convenience. And so I worked there
2: also. And when he went over to USAC to be the race director at USAC, um, they were like, hey, we also need someone to go live on Facebook and kind of show the fans around, you know, interviews weren't even in the question yet. And so I started doing the Facebook lives and that's when, that's when Facebook live was like huge. So, um, started doing that, that kind of transitioned into like, Hey, you know, like this guy just went QuickTime. Do you think maybe you could talk to him? And I remember my first interview ever, it was at Terre Haute with Justin Grant after he went QuickTime. I wish I had a recording of it because it was so awkward. (laughs) It was so bad. It was comical, comical, but for some reason they were like, keep on doing it. And I really liked it. So that's kind of how that all started and gave me another career path in motorsports.
1: So moving on to Iwi Peewee, that's three if we're counting. (laughs) Um, you know, when you got there, you obviously are three for three for Dale, Iwi Peewee. Um, So you had already done some pit reporting. You had had some experience on that side of things, whether it was in front of the camera, in front of the microphone. You kind of knew that space a little bit. Was it ever a decision or was it ever, you know, a question about going into journalism, broadcasting that area of expertise in terms of a college degree? Like, was that ever a question for you or were you always going to do that path?
2: Well, I actually started in marketing um, at Mizzou. Oh, and I was driving back and forth to Indianapolis like every weekend, working for USAC. So it was like six hours one way, like every weekend. I'd like get done with my classes on Thursday. I didn't have class on Friday. I remember specifically for racing, would leave Friday morning, drive to wherever USAC was racing, or drive to the office, race all weekend, then drive back to school. And so finally, I was like, just not really feeling that doing that all the time. But <laughs> I, I don't blame do- you. Yeah, don't really love that. So, um then I transferred to a school in Saint Louis called Maryville and I was still in marketing there for a semester. Um I am horrible at math. Like Join the club. it's embarrassing how bad I am at math. I've so had I've mar- had
1: breakdowns from you know, math classes and homework, like literal breakdowns, tears. So I'm glad that's behind us.
2: With marketing, you have to take all these math classes that I was unaware of.
1: And for that reason, I'm out.
2: I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) So I switched to journalism right then. And that semester break. um, And then transferred to IUPUI, was still in journalism, and had a professor actually say um, to our sports journalism class, he was like, you know, props to all of you for being in journalism. Obviously, I'm teaching at the journalism school. A lot. I love it. Um, but my suggestion to you would be to, and he said this the whole class, he's like, my suggestion to you would be to, if you can, switch to communications because it's such a more broad topic and the journalism is in such a a like different place. With I got the way told media. the same
1: thing when I was in college too. Like, like yeah. people were seriously like, Hey, like a guest speaker would come and they'd give advice and they'd be like, well, first piece of advice is i uh, get out of the industry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. But anyways, I'm like, okay. Yeah, like
2: <laughs> I love journalism, but no one knows where it's headed and it's changing so much. Yeah. So maybe just switch to communications. I, I get it.
1: But like, I was like, Oh man, damn. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I switched to communications. It actually worked better for all of my credits. That were transferring from different schools too, um, so I switched communications. I think I got a minor in English, and maybe one other minor. I can't can't really remember, but yeah. You just like yeah, multitasking.
1: So, That's the theme.
2: Yeah, just all talking and writing and no math. So it was great.
1: <laughs> um, if people follow you on social media, they know that you're dating Chris Wyndham, who's a competitor uh, on the World of Outlaws circuit. Made one NASCAR start on Bristol Dirt. A couple years ago I asked Hannah and Dylan a similar question because it can get kind of murky the waters can when you are covering a sport and somebody that you are dating is competing or vice versa right how do you guys navigate that what is that like given that you guys are both professionals you're both working in the industry but sometimes those paths cross and you need to do your job and set feelings aside
2: yeah definitely um yeah, there's been a couple instances where, you know, something is, well, first, let me start by saying it's great being at the same event as your significant other, because um, Carpool. That, yeah, carpooling. And then also, that's really how Chris and I met too. So we didn't really know any different for the first like three or four years of our relationship, um, because I worked for USAC, he racing in USAC, and that's also how we met. So it was just no different. Every 80- 80 races a year, we were going to the races together. And if you won, won the race or won the heat race or, you know, quick time or whatever, um, you know, I got to do the interview. And so I was pumped about it. Like, it's like, yeah, I get to interview my boyfriend who just won and everything. On the flip side, there are other instances too, where it's, it's not that great. You know, if he, they, he gets into it with someone and you got to go interview the, the other someone about it or him about it or anything, you know, it's just like, but I've never been the person to be like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's my boyfriend. I, I got to treat it differently. Like you just can't do that. So it's just, yeah, I, I like it. I'm I'm all for it when we get to work the same events. Now when I work the all-stars events with Flo, um, same thing. So I love it. We show up together. Call time happens. I say, good luck. Oh yeah. And then do my job. And then at the end of the, end of the night, I'm like, oh man, how, you know how we reconvene and whatnot. So I really like it.
1: So, like I said, you're a professional, he's a professional, you guys get it. I think most people, you know, from the outside get it. Has there ever been a, a situation where somebody may have not given you guys the benefit of the doubt, or you've been in a sticky situation and, you know, you had to get out of that or deal with that specific situation.
2: Not really. Most people think it's funny because when we do interviews together he like doesn't even like look at me. <laughs> like we no, like I don't think you could tell if you wanted to. Like if you didn't know, you would not be able to tell. So and I think that's the way that it should be. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Um so you do linear television, you do live television, you do digital only stuff on social media, you do tape delayed stuff for TV. You do radio, live radio. This is a podcast, which is essentially on-demand radio. Um, Mm -hmm. There are so many different disciplines. How do you prep and go about prepping for all of those different things, and how do they differ?
2: Yeah. um, They're really different from each other, and I didn't know this until I started doing radio, really. Like, um, for instance, it's two different audiences, so something that I've learned that's a little so different is that when you're describing something on TV, that people can see it. Or if you're on broadcast, you're pointing at something, they can see it. You don't necessarily have to describe what you're seeing, but on radio, you, you're talking to people who you're painting the picture for them. So using the colors, using the, using names, using, describing words, it's such a different form of media um, that I still don't feel like I'm like great at by any means. Like afterwards, I'm like, oh, why, why didn't I say? But with live radio, you're also like, it's happening so fast. You're thinking on your feet. Um, they're coming to you. You got to say something, Whole nine yards. With TV, a lot of it's like planned. So you don't yeah. say like, hey, I got something. And they said, okay, well, you got three minutes and we'll come down to you but you kind of have more time to think with the radio you're like you have to trust what's coming out of your mouth and yeah it's it's hard it's hard um and then social media is obviously just like fun like i just got back from doing the indie next uh my firestone preview video and those are just so fun because you're just you know walking through and talking and i usually write everything out before it never comes out like i write it but still <laughs> so yeah everything's just very different from each other but everything has its um the things that i like more and and don't like too so it's cool
1: do you like one more than the other like is one of them harder than any other ones that you can pinpoint or do they all just kind of present different challenges and benefits
2: i like no i don't think i like one more than the other but there are certain things that i like from some things like with radio i really like the pressure or the no pressure of not being on camera so like you don't have to get set up Mm -hmm. like one-on-one talk someone. you can just be talking face to face and no one would ever know but you know with tv obviously you gotta like set it up or broadcast to set it up and whatnot but um then with broadcast Uh, I I don't feel like I'm the best at describing things like a hundred percent. So like, I like with TV being able to have the visual and being like, here's what I'm talking about and who I'm talking to, you know? So, yeah.
1: Uh, I want to be conscious of your time. I got a, I got a few more for you. Okay. Um, You know, a a typical question for somebody like you that you probably get all the time is, "Wow, What's it like being in a male dominated industry and a female, right? That must be (laughs) tough. Um, I'm sure that it is, and I'll never know what it's like to be a female in motorsports, right? Have you experienced any of those tough moments? I'm putting those in air quotes because a lot of the time people from the outside say, wow, that must be tough. And a lot of women that I've talked to that are on air, broadcasters, et cetera, they don't have any of those horror stories. And they've said that, you know, everybody is very nice, very welcoming, and it's the Mm -hmm. total opposite. What what has your experience been like?
2: Yeah, I think aside from just like, the typical super creepy, like, interact occasional interactions, like, nothing is really ever, like, I don't think that I've ever not gotten a job because, like, I'm a female. Like, I think, I, th- I don't think that's, and I could be very wrong, and there might be people that-, that disagree with that, but I don't think that's as much of a factor anymore. I think that if you are dedicated you know, to what you do and put in the effort and really show that you want to be there, then that's going to show no matter what, male or female or, you know, whatever. Um, so I've never really had a, yeah, like I said, I've never had an issue to where I was like, man, I just don't think they liked me because I was a girl. Like, I think if anything, it was like, you know, there was someone better for it or, you know, whatnot. But there's, there's been a couple of creepy instances for sure. And I can't say that I'm much of a fan um about that but you just kind of gotta you have to have thick skin no matter what because you put yourself in front of the camera you're gonna get judged that's just what it is so um yeah no not for
1: me um so you're on the road constantly whether it's in a big metal bird going across the country whether it's in a car um you're also just in a lot of different infields pit lanes press boxes things like that tips and tips of the trade and all that stuff when it comes to road life traveling. what are some road trip airplane essentials that you use oh. or you need?
2: Oh man, I'm a snacker. I, I do some snacking so I would say if uh, <laughs> I would say on the road I feel like I take pride in like finding like gas station hacks. I love sure. that. Like we have a whole science of like what part of the country you're in, like what gas stations you're going to find and like what, <laughs> and, you know, and I try to like eat healthy on the road. Cause it's kind of hard to do sometimes. I mean, like, Wish I could relate. when you're dirt racing and you're getting done at 11 PM right. and the only things that are open are the loves travel stop and the McDonald's right next to it. So you gotta, you kind of got to work with what you're dealing with. Um, Specific ones, I don't know. My new obsession for on the road is that um, I just had some today actually on the way here. Um, they're these like chili roasted pistachios from mm. what's a, what's that pistachio brand? I don't even remember. Uh, but um, I know
1: is it the green one? Like in the are they yeah are they... like
2: the green ones? But they're like red because of chili those
1: Right, um, good. I'll get some of that.
2: Very good. I've also been on a flavored water kick. I didn't like it for a long time. I thought it tasted okay. like tv static but like now <laughs> you know what i mean like it's no like,
1: i don't what what is that I even feel mean like if you
2: if you put tv static like in a bottle that would be flavored water like or not flavored water sparkling water that's what i'm talking about i'm on a sparkling water kit
1: oh that's oh I, well, i'm not a fan of flavor water i can get down with but i don't like the bubbles i don't like the fizz
2: tv static i tell telling you picture that it makes you sense static. a little bit. A little bit. But I'm on a kick. So I just tried these okay. like little bubbly things. So I really like those. Um, the pistachios I'm feeling. Um, but I don't know if this actually answers your question. I think I'm just it's, rambling it's, I mean,
1: about snacks. Snacks was the thing. And my follow-up snacks. was gonna be, are you like a salty, sweet, savory salty. type gal? But it seems like the right now it's the salty and the fizzy.
2: Salty and bubbly, apparently. <laughs>
1: Georgia is so salty and bubbly. That's gonna be the episode <laughs> title. Um, so, like, like we said, you're you're gone all the time. How many days a week, a year, do you think you're actually home?
2: A lot in the win- uh, in the winter. So sure. I would say, well, October. There's not a whole lot going on 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 my specific schedule. So like October, home a lot um it's my favorite month out of the year so I'm pumped about that um <laughs> December home but like you're also traveling for family and stuff like that mm-hmm. um January's chili bowl which
1: mm-hmm.
2: takes up a decent amount of time I mean it takes up a week of your January and then so I would say March October and December would be like when you're home but then other than that's kind of just like stopping in and feeding or watering the plants and going to the next place
1: can't forget about tuna
2: and tony my sister just moved up to indianapolis so she's she's been the biggest help with tuna i was gonna he's, say so uh, she probably
1: takes care of her
2: yeah yeah so that's amazing he also stays with our good friends kim and jason um who are super involved in the sprint car world and then um he goes down to nashville and stays with chris's family a lot so yeah he's the best he's my little man
1: you know, some people say that you may be a social media influencer. I think people just go to your page for him.
2: I, and that, that's totally fine. And I want <laughs> I mean, to, him. I love that.
1: <laughs> um, what's up with St. Louis pizza? Th- that's where you're from. That's where NASCAR's at this Most? weekend. I, I've never had St. Louis pizza. Um, and do? I don't understand like what the deal is, what the hype is, <laughs> whether it's a thing or not, like educate me
2: um so i believe that you're referring to emo's pizza so that would be like the st louis brand keep talking i'm gonna google it per se so emo's makes their own cheese it's called provel cheese i personally think it's one of the best cheeses ever um and i'm not even being biased from st louis like it's it's good cheese super thin real crispy um i don't I don't even particularly like love that kind of pizza over other pizza. I love all pizza, um, but Emos Emos is pretty dang so, good. I'm
1: so, so is St. Louis style pizza. Just is like what what makes it different?
2: Well, it I, think different to me. I think it's cheese. I think it's provolone cheese.
1: So the cheese is what sets it apart. Okay. Yeah. I give it a shot.
2: I think that you should. It'll, are you going to St. Louis this weekend?
1: I'm not, unfortunately. I wish I was. And if I was, I'd have me some emos.
2: But well, someone's gonna have to bring you a frozen one back.
1: Please. I, I will take <laughs> it. Well, you're in Detroit this weekend. Have you had Detroit style?
2: I didn't even think about that. I'm gonna have to. Have you ever? Is that that's like deep,
1: right? It it's like it's not deep, but it's thick crust, but it's cheesy and crunchy and chewy and doughy at the same time. Like the cheese is baked into the crust and the sauce is on top of the cheese. Oh my god. Like a jet oh pizza. Isn't you say Jets? jets? Is Jets Detroit song? Yes. Yes, it is.
2: Yeah, I like Jets a it's lot. It's
1: so good. Oh, my God. Not compared to
2: Emo's, but right. I do
1: like Jets. I'll allow it. All right. Well, while we're on the um, the topic of food, since you're now an Indianapolis resident, I don't know if you went when you were at Iwi Pili. That's four, by the way. Um, St. Elmo's. Mm-hmm. I've never been. I'd love to go. If and when I get out to Indy sometime this year, next year maybe, I will go. Um, <laughs> is it worth the hype? yeah
2: yeah for sure okay yeah absolutely no there's not a single question how spicy
1: is the shrimp cocktail
2: it's it's not even spicy i don't even know the word hot take it's i don't even know the word to describe it because like it burns it's not like (laughs) oh this is like crushed red pepper it's like no like i can't breathe like it's going up my nose. I can't breathe. Sure, sure. But it's only a split second. It's crazy. It's, it, such it's a,
1: different than like a hot sauce. It seems like it's the horseradish that gets you in the sizes. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Um, last thing here, because I know I'm, I'm going a little bit long. Um, you mentioned that, you know, NASCAR kind of was always the goal for you. You've done some stuff with MRN. Again, I lost count of how many different series and vehicles and cars and, and forms of motorsports you've done. What is next on the docket for you? What else do you want to do? What else do you want to work? What else do you want to accomplish here in the next couple of years? Even looking way down the road, we're talking decades from now.
0: Yeah,
2: definitely. I am. Um, I'm super happy with what I, with where I am and what I'm doing right now. I think the goal for everyone is to always just be the best version of themselves. So like to like keep growing um, personally growing in my craft. Um, I, I'm, would take any opportunity head on. So like anything that kind of came my way, I would definitely consider most likely say yes. Cause I don't say no to a lot of job opportunities. <laughs> you said obviously. yes to this.
1: So yeah. That's a um, lot.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I don't know Five. i think I just want to keep going, doing what doing what I'm doing, see what kind of comes of it. Um, I, but I love where I'm at right now. So, um, Yeah, I don't – there's goals in mind for sure, but um, whether they come next year or they come in five years or ten years, like, I'd be happy with it.
1: Well, wherever you go, whatever you do, we'll be watching. We'll be listening. Uh, Next time we see each other, we got to get some emos. Whether I got to check a bag with a frozen pie or we meet in the loo, we'll make it happen. Awesome. Will you be in Mid-Ohio
2: or Road America or – Mid-Ohio
1: Road America, I'm working. Okay. TBD. Or Indy. TBD, but you know, if I'm there, you're my first text. Perfect. I got you. Um, I appreciate your time. I know it's a busy day, busy time for you, but we'll be watching this weekend from Detroit, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And we are back. Whew, thank you so much to Georgia for, I mentioned at the start, but, Doing this on some short notice and uh, giving me so much of her time. It is very, very valuable, especially given where she was at and what she's doing this weekend in Detroit for IndyCar. One question I didn't get to ask her, which I guess I'll have to probably next time we have her on. Uh, I just want to know the answer. I don't even need it for the podcast. But she was doing stuff at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend for IMS, the radio network, the the big screens. What's it like to know that there are 300,000-plus people watching you in that very moment because it's different on tv it's different on radio but you got people watching you right then and there reacting to what you're saying to who you're talking to etc etc that was pretty cool Uh, it was great to see her working over the weekend at indy and always great to see her working wherever the hell she is in the wide world of sports at whatever racetrack so thank you again to georgia for the time we'll be watching this weekend from detroit and we'll be watching for the rest of the season as well Let's get into the Coca-Cola 600 from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Unfortunately, it was not run on the greatest day in motorsports on Memorial Day Sunday. Mother Nature wreaked some havoc on things as it pertains to Charlotte, and that was unfortunately not able to happen. But they were in the Memorial Day double. Xfinity and the Cup Series took place on Monday. A lot of rain impacted that too. Xfinity started in the morning, then delayed for a little bit. Then Cup ran the entire race. There was a late in the middle as well. Then Xfinity finished at about, oh, midnight, 1 a.m. or so. Um, it was a lot going on, but a lot of racing on a Monday, not a bad thing. Just unfortunate that it had to happen when it did. But Ryan Blaney, he's the man that comes through with the dub, snaps a 59-race winless streak in order to do it. Big win for a lot of reasons for YRB. Gets him into the playoffs, snaps the winless streak, And a big feat for Roger Penske. First time in the captain's history that he has swept Coke and Indy in the same weekend, almost on the same day, but that is huge. Joseph Newgarden obviously winning the Indianapolis 500, the captain's 19th Indy 500 win, and Ryan Blaney winning his eighth career Cup Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That is a big deal as well. And almost the bigger deal, I would say, is that Ford was good. I I will completely put my hand up and say I was wrong. I was on best Bet Sunday on BetQL with my boy PJ. And I said, if you're going to do one thing, stay away from the forts. Do not touch Blaney, Kislowski Harvick. Don't touch them. They ain't going to do nothing. And lo and behold, Ryan Blaney in a Ford <laughs> wins the race. Won a stage as well. Kevin Harvick was running up front, led a lap or two uh, after starting second, going back to 30th, then working his way back up to the lead. Um, so, I will put my hand up and admit I was totally wrong on that one, for sure. But it's good to see Ford showing some speed and showing some signs of life. They have not had a great start to the year by any means. So was happy to see that. William Byron finishes in second. Martin Truex Jr. third. Bubba Wallace fourth. And Tyler Reddick came home in fifth. First top five finish for 2311 racing, or first time I should say, that they put both cars inside the top five ever. So that's really impressive in a points-paying race because they did it at the All-Star race as well, so good for them. Good for Ryan Blaney, a feel-good win. You could tell it meant a lot to him, showing that emotion on the front stretch with Jamie Little saying, "You know, sometimes you doubt yourself. You wonder, are you ever gonna win again?" I had no doubt Ryan Blaney was gonna do it, and it was good to see. Something that unfortunately was not too good to see was uh, what happened between Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin coming off a turn four on the front stretch. You guys have seen it by now, obviously. You guys have heard the ruling that came down. Chase Elliott, NASCAR's most popular driver, suspended for one race due to intentionally wrecking Denny Hamlin at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I got to say, I'm a bit surprised that they did it just because it is Chase Elliott, and I don't want to be one of those conspiracy theorists and, oh, NASCAR ain't going to do nothing. He's the wonder boy. I ain't going to get that. They ain't do it to Dale Jr. They ain't not going to do it to Chase. Well, they did. So all those people can kick rocks. No offense. Um, I was just a bit surprised that they pulled the trigger because the conversation from a lot of people, including drivers, you know, Corey LaJoy, for one, who we'll get to in a minute, was saying that I don't think that they should suspend him because it looks different. Bubba went down blatantly and turned him. Chase, in my opinion, it was blatant, but I take drivers at their words. They know what these cars are doing more than me. They are way better equipped to say whether or not something was or was not intentional. And while they did say it was intentional, he didn't think that it was as egregious of an act as what Bubba did to Kyle Larson. With that being said, I think NASCAR did make the right call. I I thought he should be suspended for it. Not that my opinion matters one iota. uh, And he was. So who's going to fill in for him, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did. It is that man, Corey LaJoy, getting a shot in a Hendrick Motorsports car. Remember he gave that handwritten note to Rick Hendrick a handful of years ago. Even Corey said that he wouldn't have been ready for a chance should he have gotten it then. Well, he gets it now for one race. So we'll see what he can do with it. I'm excited to see what he can make out of that opportunity. Carson Hosovar also gets an opportunity of a lifetime. He's filling in for Corey at Spire in the 7 car. So a lot of moving, a lot of shaking. It would have been Josh Berry because he is the contracted relief driver or substitute driver for Hendrick. But he's going to be all the way out in Oregon in Portland for the Xfinity Series. So there's just no chance that he can get back and forth to practice, qualify, race, both events. So that's why Josh Berry's not doing it. And that's why Corey LaJoy is. But bottom line is NASCAR ain't playing. Chase is suspended. And oh, by the way, Another chase got hit pretty bad with a points penalty too. Stuart Haas Racing hit with an L3 level violation for modifying a next-gen single-supplied part. And not just modifying it, NASCAR deemed that the part that they had in question was counterfeit. $250,000 fine to Johnny Klausmeier. Sixth race vacation or suspension for him. 120 points to chase briscoe 120 points to the 14 team in the owner's championship as well that is one of the biggest penalties in nascar history and that is not hyperbole folks um i don't know if i was surprised by it i guess i was just because of the the blatant cheating that it was essentially and you know greg dipidelli came out and basically said it was an oversight we accept the penalty we're not going to appeal which kind of leads me to believe they just messed up to put it frankly. You know what I mean? And you can't have that. It's unacceptable. And another thing, kind of the elephant in the room here, it's not like Hendrick Motorsports is doing this and they're lighting the world on fire. I love Chase Briscoe, but even he would tell you, he ain't running that well. I mean, they did this to what, run 20th, 25th? They were 35th at some point on Monday. They got passed by B.J. McLeod. And I love you too, B.J. But goodness gracious, This man won a race last year. This man made the playoffs last year. This man won nine times in the Xfinity Series a handful of years ago. This man's in a Stuart Haas racing car, and you're getting passed by B.J. McLeod at Charlotte? What's going on? And above all else, you're running a part that's cheated up and manufactured and counterfeit. I don't get it. Um, I do understand why NASCAR laid the hammer down they had to absolutely had to so i support what they did Stuart haas they clearly accept the penalty and they're going to move forward but this puts chase briscoe in a have to win situation you don't you can't point your way in now uh being that you're 120 points back of where you were you have to win a race now and seeing the way that things are going for not just briscoe but Stuart haas even though ford is on the up and up i'm not too confident that chase will be in the playoffs this year But Chase will get a shot this weekend, and that will happen at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Interested to see how this race plays out. Uh, First time that the Cup Series raced here was last season. Joey Logano, a Ford, he came through and won the race. Penske had a good day. Blaney led a handful of laps. Sindrick won a stage, and Joey won the race. So we'll see if they can carry that momentum, not just from last week, but last year, talking about Ford and Team Penske into this weekend. Still think it's probably going to be a Hendrick and a Gibbs and a 23-11 party up front, though. I'm watching 23-11. I mean, they've had three straight top fives for Bubba. Four if you count the All-Star rates, like I mentioned. Redick is on a heater. I would not be shocked if Bubba or Redick won this race. I'm tempted to pick one of them, honestly. I'm probably not going to because I don't have the balls to do it, but I'm tempted. So I'll be watching the 2311 cars. I'll be watching Ford. And obviously, Hendrick and Chevy, they're going to be strong up front as well. Remember, a year ago, this race is when the Chastain stuff kind of started. It's when he uh, put Hamlin into the wall. I doubt we will see something like that again. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. Good news is we'll all be watching together. We can catch it all this Sunday from Gateway in Madison, Illinois. And that'll wrap things up for this week's episode of Victory Lane Party People, episode 187 is in the books big thank you again to georgia henneberry for carving out some time and providing her perspective on her career and her life uh as it is we got another great episode coming for you next week not recorded yet but in the can is ryan blaney's spotter josh williams no not josh williams who parked it on the front stretch at atlanta the other josh williams who is the spotter ryan blaney excited to chat with him i want to pick his brand on a couple things that pertains to spotting and also get into his personal life especially on the links on the golf course so excited to chat with him excited for you guys to hear that chat and excited to chat with you guys next week if you like what you heard here today please do me a favor leave a rating and a review subscribe to the podcast you can do so on apple google soundcloud the green app as well we are available anywhere you get your pods so if we're not drop me a line I'll try to rectify that issue for you. We'll catch you back here next week. Thank you so much for tuning in, party people. Enjoy the action.